Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Golden Africa and welcome if you're new here. My name is Nurindi Sara. I'm an agripreneur, a show hostess, a voiceover actress, and scriptwriter. Since we're now acquainted, feel free to subscribe and review this podcast, okay? This podcast is produced by the incredible people at Media City Solutions and if at all you need any kind of audio production assistance or training in line with audio production, reach out to them. Their contact information will be in the description box below and I have a discount code just for you. Use GOLD21 for 15% off any service. Okay, getting into today's episode, we are flying to Liberia to meet the Shara Aitoka from the Aitoka Group. And she has previously worked as a minister in Liberia, working with Her Excellency Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. And she has a few years of successful experience within the textile industries in Liberia and Rwanda. She also facilitates at the African Leadership University. She is a woman that wears many hats, many stylish hats at that. Without further ado, let's hear it from Shara Aitoka. Hi, my name is Shara Aitoka. I am Liberian um, and I've also lived in a lot of other countries. <laughs> I am a Global Challenges faculty member at the African Leadership University. And I'm also an entrepreneur. I have a consulting business called The Itoka Group. That's quite a handful of things that you do. So let's break it down. With the um, Itoka Group, what does it do? And what do you do at AOU in particular? Okay. The Itoka Group is a boutique consulting firm. It's basically just me <laughs> as of now, even though I'm planning to expand it in a few months, actually. Um, I, a lot of my clients are in the development space, but I also work with many entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs in the textile space primarily. I, I work on policy design, program design. I also focus a lot of my work on evaluations and um, strategic planning, things of that sort. Uh-huh. All right, that's great. Now, I understand that you have a whole history within the textile industry in Liberia. Yes. Would you walk through us a little bit? So I spent many years working in the public sector. So I've worked for a government in Liberia, in the U.S. even. And um, after a while, I realized that I wanted to work in the private sector and have that experience as the driver of the economy. And I, I left government. I went and I managed a factory, a t-shirt factory in Liberia. T-shirts primarily were made at this factory. And it was an amazing experience because I really enjoyed working closely with the women and managing the operations of the factory. So I spent some time doing that. And after a few months, I started my own textile business. I started my own fashion brand, which is called Piso Collection. Piso is uh, named after Lake Piso between Liberia and Sierra Leone. And it was really focused on sustainable textiles, uh, supporting indigenous textiles um, and the art of weaving which Vi people and also people from another area in Liberia, they do, they weave country cloth. 
So it was really a mixture of this traditional textile and modern designs, uh, mostly women's clothing. I loved being in that space. I very much am an entrepreneur at heart. And um, it was great. Wow. Okay. From government to textile to starting your own um, ventures within the textile industry. And now I talk a group. I already know this. And um, some of the listeners don't know what a generalist entrepreneur is. So who is a generalist entrepreneur and what exactly makes one a generalist entrepreneur? A generalist entrepreneur is a person that has expertise in several areas. Uh, many times people hear generalists and they think, oh, okay, this is a person who's a jack of all trades and a master of none. But actually generalists have a lot of range. Uh, they can work in one sector, but they can also use their skills and transfer those same skills into a different sector. So that's where I, I sit right now. I like to draw from all of my different experiences. As I mentioned earlier, my experiences it's a, along the spectrum of you know, proper development type work, working as a consultant with the UN, working on aid and the aid portfolio from the government's side, working as someone who's the executive director of an NGO. So there are a lot of different experiences there, but I focus a lot more on the skills and what I, um, the accomplishments in these different um components of my career. Then on the other side of the spectrum, I worked in textiles, which is proper business, you know, manufacturing and the management of the supply chain and that whole experience I've drawn from there too and the skills that I learned there. And together, that's who I am. Like that's my own personal portfolio. So I wouldn't say that, okay, I'm only this one thing or I've also worked in the refugee space and the area of forced displacement. So I wouldn't just say like, oh, I, I'm an expert in displacement and those issues. No, I would say that I'm a generalist. I've I've worked on large scale budgets. I've also worked on um, designing an evaluation. I've implemented it. I've piloted different tools. So I can draw from all of those things and those experiences and I can use these tools in other sectors and other areas. So it's about being multidisciplinary in practice because a lot of the challenges that we see in different fields do like require a multidisciplinary approach. So it's best to have a lot of tools in your toolkit. Right. Now, that was a lot of name dropping of all the things that you've done. Your experience is phenomenal. And there has to be some challenges around um, being a generalist entrepreneur or being an entrepreneur that does all these different um, businesses and in different industries. What are some of the main challenges that you have faced in your journey? One of the challenges is articulating your value add. Because when you're outside of the box, people don't know what to do with you. I've come across that sometimes. People are like, okay, so, because, you know, it's easier to digest when a person is just like, okay, I've spent my 20-year career working in this one field. And people are like, yeah, they applaud. Like, it makes sense to them. But when you say, okay, I've spent 20, I'm going to 21. So 21 years working in various sectors, people are like, okay, well, what does that really mean? Or what value can you add? So Articulating the value that you add is really important as a generalist so that people can understand, well, 
the challenges that you're facing as a client is quite complex. And for me, I've worked in complex situations because I understand that this journey isn't linear or your issue isn't one dimensional. So I'm bringing a multi-dimensional approach to solving this problem. So once they get a, like an understanding of that, and once you articulate it around the skills, you know, and around um, the your achievements that make sense to them, then they're like, oh, okay, I see the value that you can add here. It isn't just about that you're an expert in a subject area. It's that your expertise is really rooted in the skills that you bring to the table and your ability to think analytically and your ability to solve the problem. It's a different focus. Right. It actually brings me back to the previous episode that we just recorded. And we were talking to someone who works within the AI industry. And he was Mm -hmm. literally, his business took over every agronomist in Zambia and that is wow. exactly what the um, con of being a specialist is really and what the pro of being a journalist entrepreneur is. Since you have so much um, experience and understanding of various industries, you cannot, mm-hmm. your job cannot be taken over by just a machine or a bot that was designed by a human, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think you already know this company, AgriPredict by um, Musa yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard exactly. of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that just um, literally proves to us how important being a journalist really is. Because when you're yeah. multidimensional, then you can bring so much value, which is why I really don't understand how this is a challenge, articulating the <laughs> value, as you say, because the value <laughs> is really there and it shows. Yeah. 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 You know, I. Oftentimes, and I think this is more than just being a generalist, like across the board, people like to put us in boxes. As a generalist, it wasn't linear. It was definitely like operations here within a a factory, operations here um, as, you know, the principal aid director in a ministry in the government, operations here as a deputy minister in government, operations as an executive director of an NGO, operations, you know, so it was, it's coming from all different sides. And so if you're smart, if you're a smart client, (laughs) then you'd be like, all right, wow, I see, like I understand. And now I can see how you, if you worked as in an operation space for my organization, or if you're advising my organization in operations, it wouldn't be one-sided. You would actually pull from all of these different sources. And that's the kind of person that I want working with me because I won't necessarily need to hold their hand. Um, they've seen a lot and they've seen it within different contexts. So that to me is like, yes, that's the kind of person I want on board. But I think not everybody has that expansive mindset. Some people are just so fixed in their thinking and they're just like, you know, they look at a resume and they're like, check boxes, check boxes. I'm not the person that checks box, like that you look at and you're like, oh, check boxes. I'm the person that you're like, let me create an entire box. (laughs) Like there is no box. And that's amazing. These are all incredible things that you've done, right? In your life, uh, (laughs) with your many years and existence on this (laughs) 40. (laughs) That's the, you look nothing older than um, 25, literally. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. Um, It makes me wonder what teenage Chara was like. You know, um, a Mm. lot of the listeners are within um, the 18 to 25 range. And I would like mm. 
us to get into the chara who is or was our age, right? What was she like? What did she go through? Because we're aspiring to be like you. So what was she like? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I was very ambitious. Let me tell you. I like to think of myself as a recovered overachiever. Like I was that overachiever. I had huge dreams at 19. That was the first time I actually went back to the African continent. So a little bit of my story. My father did his master's in the U.S. I was born in Liberia. At age five, my father goes to do his master's in Boston. And my family goes with him. Typically, we didn't necessarily travel with him when he went to do his studies, but we did. And then the war broke out a few years later. So I, by default, I grew up in the U.S. So for... 14 years I was in the U.S. going to school, and I, at age 18, I literally was at a conference. I opened up a brochure. It was an Amnesty International Conference, human rights organization. I open up the brochure, and I see there's this competition. You can apply for a scholarship to do research in the field. And at the time, I had taken a year off school, so I had done my first year of studies at the age of 17. At age of 18, I'm like interning. Um, with the UN Association of Boston. So I'm looking at this and some people would look at that and be like, oh man, but I'm 18. Like they will never accept me. Like you need to be 18 to 24, I believe. I went for it. And so at age 19, I go back to the African continent. I go to Senegal. Did I speak French? No, not at the time. (laughs) Um, Had I ever been to Senegal? No. Uh, But why did I choose Senegal? Because there were... um, large Liberian and Sierra Leonean refugee populations there. And that's, my mom is half Sierra Leonean. So it's like my roots are there. And and I was very passionate about the issues. So I went to Senegal at 19. That's just an example of, you know, how I was. I wasn't afraid of taking that leap of faith. So I went, I spent three months there. It was an amazing experience. I did research. I hadn't taken a research methods course yet. You know, it was really uh, experiential. It was trial by fire. And I learned a lot. So that was the kind of person I was. After that, I decided I wanted to go to school in Paris. I transferred schools from New York to Paris. I'd never been to Paris before. You know, so I was very much like excited about the adventure. I changed my like course of study. I was focused on theater and dance. And all of a sudden I was studying development because of what I saw in the field. I was like, this is all I want to do. Like, this is like, all I want to do is to work with refugees. And this is what I really want to do. So that's the kind of person I was. I was not uh, dissuaded by people telling me I couldn't do it. You know, because my whole life I had heard things like, no, you're too young or no, you don't have this background. Or, I always just kind of laugh in the face of that. Like, OK, watch me. So that's what I was. <laughs> OK. Yeah, I, I was bold at the time. Now you know, I'm 40 now. Oh, I, I put it out there. So <laughs> I'm 40 and I there's that spirit still there. I'm just a lot more strategic about the moves that I make. But when the 18 to 25, I was very much trying new things, living away from family, but also very career focused. Mm. That's incredible. I love how much of a risk taker and how ambitious you were. And also um, the love for being like experimental and also not sticking to just one thing. You might yes. have at some point probably felt like theater was your life, you know? That was yeah. the goal. But then yes. you noticing like a big problem that needed to be um, solved mm-hmm. and you dedicating your life and switching your entire like education 
you know, mm-hmm. to solving that problem. That's just commendable. I think this is something I'm going to try as much as I can to implement it in my own life. Thank you so much for that. I know, I know this episode was just getting more juicy. Now, the conversation with Shara was so valuable and I have to portion it out for you. So the second half of this conversation will be airing next week at the same time and same day as usual. Tuesdays at 4 p.m. C.A.T. Follow us on Instagram at Golden Africa Podcast to keep the conversation going. And show some love and support. Subscribe and review this podcast as well as engage with the sponsored content to keep the podcast going, you know? Um, We appreciate you as always and I'll catch you next week. Stay gold and go get it.